From Hope Made Strong, this is the Care Ministry Podcast, a show about equipping ministry leaders and transforming communities through care. Supporting those in your church and community not only changes individuals' lives, but it grows and strengthens the church. But we want to do that without burning out. So listen in as we learn about tools, strategies, and resources that will equip your team and strengthen hope. Hey there, welcome to the Care Ministry Podcast. My name is Laura Howe, and I am curious, has anyone asked you a question that seems really straightforward to them, but it's actually really complicated and involves many steps? My kids do this to me all the time. They say, hey mom, can I go over to my friend's house? And this seems like a simple yes and no answer to them, but for me, it all depends. I have so many other questions to ask them. I, I ask, okay, so what friend and how long are you going for and where do they live and are their parents home and how long and do I need to pick you up? So many questions. Sometimes what seems to be a simple answer is actually really quite complex. And then there are times when it seems complex is really actually simple. And I think of how the Pharisees and religious leaders tried to complicate the gospel. And Jesus was like, no, no, guys, it all boils down to two things, love God and love people. But in that answer, we all know it's the how that can trip us up. So when I get the question of how how people can build a care ministry, I feel caught between the complex and the simple. Well, the simple answer is to build a culture of care where every ministry and program strengthens belonging, purpose, and hope. But breaking that down into clear steps of how you strengthen belonging, purpose, and hope, well, there are a lot more questions that come to the surface. I am a firm believer that every church is going to have a unique care ministry. And that's because every church has a different culture, community, and people who experience different struggles. Care cannot be a cookie-cutter ministry, and that is super frustrating for people. So many want a curriculum or program that they can just apply, and then they can say their church has an effective care ministry, but it just doesn't work that way. Your church's approach to making disciples is different than the church down the street or in the next city or county, and so your care ministry is unique. But after working with churches all over the world, I began to understand or recognize patterns and components that every church should probably use. And these components are vision alignment, systems and policies, team development, and then the last one are the actual ministries or programs. These are the four components of building a care ministry. Now, in the show notes down below, I've created a quick download that outlines these four components and asks reflection questions to help you build these in your church. And it's in the Care Ministry cohort that we walk through these four components in detail. The cohort is a five-month mastermind where you connect with other ministry leaders as well as a ministry coach, and you walk through uh, each of these steps bit by bit. You walk through these four components and you are given all the templates, samples, and downloads for you to customize so that you can strengthen your care ministry. In the cohort and even in workshops, some leaders have shared that when they have first, when they first were asked to lead a care ministry, they had assumptions about what was going to be involved. 
But then after a few weeks or a few months, they were surprised about what actual care ministry was all about. I've heard from many that they were surprised at how administratively heavy the role is. And for others, they suddenly found themselves navigating a behavioral health system that they knew nothing about or that people expected them to be housing experts. Or instead of sitting with people supporting them, which is what you thought you were going to be doing in care ministry, you actually have found yourself sifting through benevolence applications, deciding who can you offer a gift card to and who you have to turn away. Care is complex and its responsibilities could take people by surprise. The other week, I was talking with my friend, Melissa. She is one of the alumni from the cohort, and she shared an interesting perspective with me that I think was super valuable to share with others. One of the things that surprised Melissa is that she didn't realize how much focus was placed on care inside the church. She was anticipating outreaches, collaborations, and community engagement. And while this can be a component of care, through the cohort, she discovered that for her church, building an internal culture of care was the missing foundation that needed to be built first. She envisioned that because her church was community-focused, so would the care ministry. And to be honest, outreach and missions is her personal passion. However, after closely looking closer at her church, she found that the internal systems and culture weren't strong enough to bring in new collaborations. She first needed to build a culture of care inside the church before considering outreach. I invited Melissa to join me in this podcast and share five ways that she is building a care ministry by starting on the inside of a church and how that experience of shifting her focus from outreach to inreach was for her. So Melissa, I am so grateful for you. Thank you for joining. In advance, I want to also share how thankful that I am for your willingness to be vulnerable and talk about the surprises and perhaps even disappointments that has come with starting this new position in care. I am so grateful for you because this could be really hard. So thank you for joining me on this podcast. Oh, no problem. I'm always happy to be on the podcast with you. We are good friends, so we talk often. So this is quite uh, a quite fun experience for us. Uh, Melissa, to start us off, can you share um, share with people what were your hopes and your expectations before starting in your role as a care coordinator? Okay, so um, starting in my new role at the beginning of this year, I had just finished um, school. And um, I, through school, I got to see a lot of like the outreach projects that a lot of the other students were involved in. And a lot of like, I spent a lot of time thinking about how I could bring those to our community and what we could do to collaborate and just do these amazing outreach projects inside of our community. So what I expected was that um, a lot of my time would have been, would be spent outside of the church and with like, engaging with community partners. Um, so I expected that I would be doing a lot of like intake, um, meeting with people, but then also like finding uh, collaborative solutions for people with um, existing community services outside of our church. Mm. And you went to school just so for people know, uh, for a social service worker, which is yes. in Canada, um, a community networker, engager, your collaborator, all of the skill sets that your education was preparing you for was exactly what you anticipated 
uh, care ministry would look like in your church because the church that you're you're in is quite engaged in the community. They have a real interest in in partnering and collaboration. That's right. Yeah. So that's what I fully expected. I would just walk into this role and kind of just be the liaison for our church to the community. Mm. Yeah. So what actually happened? <laughs> Can you walk us through? You said you would, you started this year. So you've been in this role for a year and um, started out fresh from school, excited, having a lot of dreams and hopes. But what actually happened, say, in those first, we'll start off with those first three months. Yeah. So the first three months were like the honeymoon stage of my new job. <laughs> and it was a lot of like, um, people in the community had learned that our church was helping people in need. So I, every day I was just getting all these people coming in and setting up appointments and we were helping people and like, we didn't really, we had a loose process to it, but it was just kind of like somebody would come in and be like, I have a need. I can't afford my utilities. And we're like, we've got this. We'd jump in and, and help out. And then we would refer them to a community partner. And, um, a lot of it was actually like, boots on the ground kind of work where I felt like I was making this huge difference because I was busy seeing people on a daily basis. Mm. Um, and that was like, it was great. And I, I, I love it. That's what I, my heart is for, but we started to recognize that, um, internally there was a lot of need and there was a lot of hurt internally in our church. And we started to recognize that in order to have a healthy care culture, we needed to focus that attention inwardly and start taking care of the needs inside of our church. Mm. How did that, how did that realization go? How, like, did it feel like, you know, the carpet was ripped out from under you? Like, what was that shift like? You say there was this recognizing or realizing, um, but what actually shifted or changed? I think it was around the time that I started to try and engage more volunteers. So at the okay. beginning, like, you know, we kind of start off with, with something I could maintain personally. So I could see every single person that made an appointment. I could make those phone calls. I could do those community outreaches. And then when we started to pick up, like get become a little bit more busier inside care, I started asking volunteers if they would be interested in being part of a care team. And I unfortunately got a lot of no's. Mm. Uh, and Did they tell you why? A lot of the, I, I think that people are really careful with their time for one. Um, but mm -hmm. also like when I started having conversations, the people I was talking to were like, oh, well, I had this happen in my life mm. and nobody showed up for me. And I was mm. like, oh, well, you know, like, dang, like, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I, um, you're right. Right. And I was like, yeah. I, and so that was kind of like, it was almost a disappointing moment because, um, I started to recognize that there were people that had needs inside of our church that I had been overlooking it with good intention because my desire was to reach our community. Yeah. But I also, I, it was, there were people that were hurting and they were the people that I was doing life with every day that mm -hmm. I wasn't seeing those needs first. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so we had a, so it, so it's this shift actually, to be very honest, wasn't a hundred percent my decision. Um, our executive team, we had a, a staff retreat 
And we kind of shifted our focus in all of the different departments. And when it became my turn, um, the executive team said to me, they're like, you know what, for the next six, the next year, we're going to focus internally. And I was like, what? Mm. <laughs> and I was really disappointed. Yeah. Well, your entire to- expectation was that you were going to do, you were trained. That's your skill set. That's your personal passion. That would have been really hard yeah. to hear. And it was really hard to hear. And it was like kind of a disappointment because it was at yeah. that moment where I was like, the process that I thought that we had nailed down for care, I also was recognizing wasn't working. And then at the same time, we're going to shift our focus, which is also like, so it, all in all, it felt kind of like a fail uh, wow. for me. Um, yeah, definitely the honeymoon stage was over. <laughs> and that was at the <laughs> six to seven month period almost? Yeah, yeah. That yeah. was, yeah, about Shortly six months after. into the job. yeah. Yeah, I we recognized that the process we thought that we had figured out for care actually wasn't working. And then mm-hmm. at that point you kind of start to realize that the six the first 6 months really served as like information gathering time. So mm-hmm. even though like it looked like it was disappointing because it was a fail, it wasn't because it actually gave us a chance to assess, like to kind of do a needs analysis assessment and see where we actually were spending our time and resources. Where are the gaps that we were not doing a great job at and how can we correct that? Mm, that's so good. I think that's important to for people to hear because you want to hit the ground running, especially in care ministry. You can get very busy, very fast putting out fires. But that first step, and we talked about that in the cohort, is that needs assessment. But in the cohort where we do the needs assessment in one week, meanwhile, you're, what you're saying is boots on the ground, be patient. It's going to take six or so months before you really get a good understanding of what your community needs. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And so um initially that was really disappointing for me. Yeah. And it took a minute to process that and just like really recognize that although our system that we started with wasn't being successful, what were what are our areas for growth and what are our areas for opportunity going forward? Okay. I love that. I love how you didn't get stuck in that. Um, failure or, okay, so what do I do now? Or this isn't what I signed up. Peace out. I love that you, um, you stuck with it and you said, okay, God, what, what is it then that we need to, to do? And in our previous conversations, you identified five different ways that you shifted the focus from outreach, external collaborations, which are all good. And we, you know, the church is still intending to do that in the future. That's still in the vision of care, but after looking and recognizing what you, the the internal needs and the the culture of of your church that it it now may not be the best time to do that so uh can you share with people the uh, we'll start with the first one um and how you shifted gears um and started looking at care ministry from the inside out which is a total different mind shift for what you were initially thinking yeah yeah, totally. So we, when we had that conversation, um, we're like, okay, we're going to focus on the needs inside the, the house right now. Mm-hmm. And then the next conversation is like, how do we do that? Yeah. Um, so we recognize that like, although a lot of people attend church, they weren't feeling connected in church, right? 
Um, so we're like, how can we fix that? There were gaps between when somebody first start, like first walked into our church as a brand new um, person, never had been here before. And then there's this gap between when they start serving at our church or when they start um, finding their, their um, small group. And we're like, what can we do in those spaces so people mm-hmm. feel connected, right? Um, there's people that have been attending our church for years and w- they still feel unconnected. And they're like, how can we help with that, right? So what we started with was looking at small groups. And we did a small group campaign in September so that our goal was to get as many people into as many small groups as possible, recognizing that like your community becomes the people that you serve with, right? Or the people that you are in small group with. So um, as a care coordinator, I can't possibly look after a thousand people on my own, but inside of small groups inside of our church, we're empowering those leaders to take care of their groups, right? Mm. So I recognize that like a win for care ministry was that when there is a need that comes up and they're inside of a small group, I don't even find out about it. Mm. Because by the time I find out about it, it's already been taken care of. Their small group has rallied. They're encouraging them with texts and um, they're dropping food off or whatever that that is. And I don't like the care coordinator actually doesn't have to to do anything because they're already being looked after by the people they're in community with. I love that. You know, a lot of people think of their small groups as part of the discipleship track or or under that wing, we'll say, or, or department. And it's true, those those definitely are we want people to know and become more like Jesus every day. And, and we do that through small groups. But I love how you looked at small groups through the lens of care, that even though um, you or the church might not be doing it, care is still being offered in community. So I think mm-hmm. that's a really great way of looking at it. Um, another way that you shared with me is supporting your the leaders. Uh, why was that important to you? And how did you come to that um, that idea that supporting the leaders in the church is how you're building a culture of care. Yeah. So I think that we, we recognize that like, especially coming out of COVID, um, like our leadership team was just going full throttle. They were just filling all the needs, even if it wasn't part of their job description, they're jumping in, yeah. they're just giving hours of their time. And we have an amazing team here that just, you know, sees a vision and just jumps in like 140% to, to meet that. But what we also stop to recognize that like healthy leaders develop health, like uh, develop healthy churches, right? Yeah. So if we're not yeah, properly totally. looking after our leaders and supporting them, then that starts to, to, to uh, come out in, you know, people feeling unhealthy and not Mm -hmm. being able to support other people inside of our church if they're not feeling healthy and supported themselves, right? Mm. Um, So it was kind of this idea of like, let's make sure that no matter what, we're loving on our leaders and we're helping our leaders find whatever it is. like, And also that can be like supporting your leader so that they can find their passion again. Because like part of like coming out of COVID was we lost our passions because we were just filling so many different roles, right? Mm. So if I can jump in as a volunteer and be like, hey, I've got this um, administrative part for you, that's freeing up that leader's time so that they can start um, finding those projects that they find passion into, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. I love that. And, you know, I think it's pretty common for the care coordinator or the person in care, whether it's you're a pastor or a director or what have you, is that your door becomes the kind of the go-to for people, for, for staff to come and vent or yeah. get support or debrief uh, with their day. Because it's really hard to talk to people outside of church. Your, your job is so unique. But I love how you embrace that. Not only did you embrace it, but you lived into it where you created space. It wasn't an interruption. It was part of your calling in care. Um, and one of the practical things that you shared with me that I think is really interesting is that you you noticed that when a staff member was working through lunch a lot, you would just show up and be like, hey, you know, I'm going to come alongside and you brought them lunch. You know what they're, you know, you, you work side by side, so you know what they, how they, they like thing in their coffee or what they always get from, you know, the, the wrap place or sub place or whatever. So yeah. I just think that is a real simple, but practical way to start building trust and love and care within your staff leader teams. It, yeah. It is kind of a unique perspective that as a care coordinator, we see those things and, you know, we get to be part of those conversations and we see the areas for, for opportunity and growth. And, you know, another thing that we did to help support our leaders was, um, we started a green room for staff kids. So when you show up at at church on Sunday morning, like as a parent myself, I always felt pulled in in a couple of different directions because you want to be there for your kids and make sure they get to kids church. Um, all right, and they're fed and they eat breakfast. And But you also <laughs> have your responsibilities to your role at the church that day. So as the care team, we kind of like thought, like we worked in collaboration with Kidsmen and we were like, let's do a green room for our pastor kids, right? Mm. So now when they show up at church, they have somebody that comes and they're like so excited to see them and they immediately take them to their own space where they have breakfast and they have activities and they have somebody's making sure they get to kids church. Okay. That's making space for the leader to be able to do their job with the support of, uh, of us. Right. So, and I love that you're stopping the generation of the MKs who are resentful and bitter towards church because they're there for a long time and they're in competition with their parents' attention, but you are saying, nope, that's not, that's not the legacy of our church. We're going to care for the ministry, for the whole family and ensure that the kids are loved on. I love that. Well, at the end of the day, it's a win for everybody because we're building healthy families, right? Yeah. I I, I said, like my goal for myself is always that my kids will always love coming to church, right? And I wanted to create that for the pastor's kids also. Mm. Now, the second area of building um, care internally, or the third, I should say, first was small groups, second was supporting leaders and families. Uh, the third is in the prayer team. And you and I had have had a couple different, many conversations around the prayer team uh, because we're coming up with, you know, through the cohort and, and, and that's, and, you know, just knowing each other and, I just think the the journey of this whole prayer conversation and, and ministry is really interesting. And I, like you said before, at first it looks like a failure, but there's so much learning that has happened. Um, and so prayer obviously is the foundation of a church's care ministry. It is absolutely highly valued. It is an integral piece of how we provide wraparound spiritual support for people. Um, but I would love to hear the journey of prayer ministry 
at your church. Okay. So um, <laughs> again, back in, <laughs> back when I started in my role, um, you know, obviously recognizing the importance of prayer, I immediately developed prayer teams and we went with the traditional, um, the traditional process of having a prayer team come to the front of the church, standing mm-hmm. across the altar at the end of the service, and you would just go up and ask for prayer. Um, we quickly realized that that was actually a barrier for people because mm. um, not everybody is comfortable going up and standing in front of people asking for prayer, especially if they're going through something very like something super vulnerable in their lives. Also, um, we noticed that not everybody feels comfortable praying out loud for someone else. That was also a barrier. Like people were a hundred percent interested in being part of our online prayer team because they were just getting prayer requests and praying for them in the comfort of their own homes. But once I asked them to step into a live prayer team that would happen at on our Sunday experiences, um, it wasn't it was really outside of their comfort zone. So I'm like, we kind of had to go back to the drawing board and be like, okay, where can we meet those people so that we mm-hmm. can still create a culture of prayer, right? Yeah. I want to take a pause here for a second because I think it's really important to highlight the learning that happened right there that I first felt like a failure because asking people to pray and having um, and and people saying, no, thank you, I'm not comfortable and nobody walking uh, utilizing the prayer team that was there could on the outside look like a failure, like our church doesn't value prayer, or we haven't taught mm-hmm. on prayer, or we don't have, you know, strong believers in our church. But that, in fact, was not the reason why. All You know, the reason why was the specific culture and the audience that you had. Many people were new believers, mm-hmm. and many times church, uh, the traditional methods where you think, you know, walking up to ask someone for prayer is normal for people who grew up in church. But many of the people in your church were brand new. This is their first time ever to church. And so that combination of the culture in your church made it so that this didn't fit many people's approach to prayer. And I just think it's really cool because I personally would have been like, oh, we're failing as a church. People don't want to pray. But that wasn't it at all. And I just love your next part. So now go into how you said, okay, this is part of, this is who our people are. So this is how we're going to shift prayer. Yeah. So um, when we kind of stopped and took a moment to reflect on what was happening and what we needed, um, I actually went to our lead pastor and I was like, what do I do? Like, I really, I really know in my heart, this is something we need. How can we make this work? And what he said to me was so good because he said, when we coming out of COVID, we were trying to develop a, uh, a culture of corporate worship again. Mm-hmm. He said, we developed that because we offered prayer or, um, worship nights once a, once a month on a Sunday night where people just got to come and worship. If we want to um, create a culture of prayer, what we need to do is offer space for people to learn to pray in mm. non-threatening environments, right? Yeah. So what we so did good. is we decide, decided to um, have once a month a prayer night where we would go to, and meet together and people could pray in every different way that they feel like they need to pray, um, whether that be praying with someone else, praying individually, praying um, out loud, walking around, like whatever that look like, looks like for them, that's a mm-hmm. space where they get to come and do that. Mm-hmm. But also introducing that um, concept of corporate prayer, where we're learning how to pray like we're taught by the Lord's prayer. 
Mm. And we're learning how to pray with each other. And we're developing these small groups of um, um, connection because we're praying and being vulnerable with each other. And like being vulnerability is, is, can be a learned skill too, right? That doesn't come natural for everybody, but making a safe place where people can learn those skills I thought was so valuable. Yeah. Yeah. So introducing it as a focus rather than just an add on to a service and doing a teaching element. So people feel like they have more confidence in, in their prayer life, but also having the mentoring of being around other people who are praying. And so seeing that prayer can be done in journaling, prayer can be done physically as people, you know, if they walk or kneel or stand or sit or however, um, and then praying out loud and using that opportunity to mentor, to allow for space for personal engagement in prayer and and teaching on it. So I think it's just a really unique way of saying, okay, this is important. This is a value to our church, but looking through the context of uh, our culture and who we, who our people are, this is how we can do it. So I, I just love that. And I'm so grateful for your creativity. Oh, thank you. Okay, so we've gone through three different ways that you can build a culture of care by starting working and developing care internally, which is in small groups and um, empowering people to care for one another, kind of that decentralization of care. It doesn't all have to be you or the pastor doing care. I love that. Supporting leaders and their families by creating opportunities for them to um, debrief and access and support as well as serving them and their kids. I love that. And then prayer. Would love to hear the fourth way that you um, started, that you invested in developing a culture of care, which is uh, working in collaboration with existing ministries, seeing what you already have and seeing what collaborations could happen. Can you share more about that? Because this is a cool story. I like this one. Um, this one was really fun and I can't actually take credit for it because I was just, <laughs> I got to be part of it, but it wasn't my idea. Um, this year we hired a new middle school pastor who came in and with this like brilliant uh, plan on doing like intergenerational ministry. And so we sat down a few times and talked about what that would look like. And um, what he did is he got the seniors involved. And I would have to say, like, if out of all the demographics in our church, sometimes it would be maybe the seniors that don't find their place, right? Like they, mm-hmm. you're a young church. We're a young church, so we we it we have a seniors group, but there's not a lot that happens in collaboration. And uh, our pastor recognized this opportunity and said like, seniors are the best prayer warriors. They can teach people to pray. Um, Mm -hmm. They can invest so much insight and value into a student's life. So he started this uh, connection with the seniors and the middle school students where the seniors became prayer partners. And, um, And they started praying for the needs of the students, which was really cool. And then through that, um, we there was a need that came up that we wanted to give every middle school student a Bible this year. And, um, you know, that's an expensive investment. Mm-hmm. And we were just that's like, how can, we, how can we make this happen? We don't want to just, we want to give them a good study Bible. Like the one that we picked out was amazing, but it came with a cost, right? Yeah. And so our middle school pastor got a chance to talk to the, to the, 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 t- the senior group at our church 
And he's like, I want, this is my goal. Like every student should have a Bible. We shouldn't have kids inside of our community that have never owned a Bible. Like we have the ability to provide everyone with a Bible. And he gave them that, he he spoke to them and, and gave them the big ask of what he was looking for. And within, I want to say like two weeks, mm-hmm. he had collected enough to buy more than what he needed in Bible school. It was thousands of dollars that yeah. came in. Like it was yeah. incredible. And yeah. the, the, like the feedback we got from the seniors who all of a sudden had a purpose. They're like, mm-hmm. I am putting a Bible in a middle school student's hand this year for Christmas. It was just such a cool experience to have this, um, like, so all of a sudden now your ministries aren't like I'm care ministry. This is high school youth. This is middle school youth. This is connection team. We're yeah. all of a sudden working together because our yeah. goal has always been the same, right? Yeah. And we, there's so many, like each group brings their, their skills and they bring their strengths. And when we connect those together, we just come up with such a beautiful um, outcome. With the the yeah. strength that's provided in collaboration is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's so good. Also, I've heard um, that the production, the music, the cameras, the sound, the lights, they are also joining together weekly and connecting and sharing prayer requests and praying mm-hmm. for one another. And and I just I just think it's really unique. And, and it could be almost um, easier for churches to have ministries in siloed. Each leader has kind of a direction or a vision of how they're operating and, and what they're doing. But when you are bringing them together, they're able to, the, everyone, it's like the tide rises for everyone. Every, like you said, people have a purpose. People feel more connected and, uh, and are serving one another. And yeah. I just think it's a beautiful way to care because, you know, going back to that belonging purpose and hope that, um, you know, care doesn't always have to look like a gift card or a meal. Care could also be someone standing beside them saying, Hey, last week you shared this prayer request or, you know, how are the students, you know, are how many Bibles were you able to give out? It gives people purpose and it gives people a sense of belonging. And I just think it is so incredibly valuable that you were able to, you know, maybe that one idea wasn't uh, yours, but I think that is the culture that mm-hmm. is starting to be built is, is in collaboration with one another. Well, and the cool thing is like, the reason I always take the opportunity to share this story is like, even though I wasn't directly involved in that project. When you develop a culture of care inside the church, every single little thing like this becomes a win for the church, right? Yeah. And so I can take pride in this and in, in, in watching this happen because this is the culture that we're creating. Yeah. So good. So good. It's so inspirational and it gives me hope, right? When we think of churches, you know, there can be some bad press on churches, but when I also see that it's these, it's these small wins that have huge impact that get me excited and give me hope. Now, the last area of building a culture of care is really quite unique. It's quite personal. Uh, are you able to share, um, what that is. I, the job of caring for others can oftentimes be thankless. And I think this is a reality uh, that you've experienced in your first year of being um, a care pastor and leading in care. What, how have you personally been able to um, engage your, your mind and heart in building a culture of care? Yeah. So this one is, yeah, this one gets a bit personal because it's, um, 
it involved me checking my own attitudes um, in a time of reflection over this past year. So um, when we shifted to looking after the needs inside of our church, when I really started doing some really hard self-reflection, I started to recognize that sometimes the reason why outreach makes us feel good is because we get instant recognition for it. Mm. Um, and you know, I, my love language is affirmation. So (laughs) hearing people tell me I'm doing a good job actually like it fills up my tank. Right. Mm -hmm. But the reality of being in ministry is that that's not the goal. And so when I was kind of disappointed about the first six months and not getting to do the things I love, um, I had a conversation with my sister and my sister reminded me that ministry is dying to ourselves daily, right? So in ministry, our wins are turning people's attention to God. Mm, Our wins are sharing God's love with somebody else. The win isn't to be recognized or have people come back to you and say, you're doing such a good job. All those, those things are nice and we should always do those for everyone when we have the opportunity. That's not the goal. So Mm. I started to really do some internal self-reflection and I started to realize that like at the end of the day, it's always about Jesus and it's always about turning people towards Jesus. And then when that shifted my perspective to dying to myself, dying to my own goals, even dying to my own uh, opinions, sometimes um, I started to really change my, how I measured success inside of the care department. Mm. Mm. It's so good. Thank you for being vulnerable and honest. I too have the affirmations uh, is my love language or how it, what fills my tank. And so it can trip you up sometimes where, you know, I, I don't want to be on a stage or I don't want a plaque or I don't want, you know, a title, but it's um, having some of the, the thankless work can be hard. And so I love how you were able to, number one, recognize that. That took a lot of hard work right there. But also um, willingness to share it. Because when you work internally, it, it, um, it is not what you expected. It's, it's helping your family. It's helping the people that you walk side by side with. And it, it's just a different approach. But I love, I love that. Always... A win is uh, pointing people to Jesus. So tell me more about this measurement of success, because that is really, really hard to do in care. And this episode is going live uh, very first thing in January. You and I are speaking at the end of the year in December. And so this is a time of reflection. And so when you look back on your first year um, as, you know, leader of care and, and all the ups and downs that has come, how, how do you, how do you, or how have you looked at success in, in care ministry in your church? That's a great question. So I think that, you know, the timing of this podcast is amazing because at the end of the year, we naturally shift our perspective to, you know, reflection, times of reflection and seeing, and you know, kind of calculating what were the wins, losses, opportunities for growth for um, the next year? And um, I was in a staff meeting yesterday, and we were kind of having um, 
you know, in the as part of the conversation, um, we were talking about this year and how this ending this year felt for everyone. And we were like, this feels like really good for us. This has been a really, um, this has been a good year. And um, at our church, um, our lead pastor's team, um, they've experienced a family loss this this December. And I remember um, in the middle of all of this, I was trying to help like get meals, make sure they had meals and they were well taken care of and loved. And we went back to, I went back to the kitchen at our church, which is, we have large industrial fridges and freezers there. And I remember opening up the doors and our fridge and our freezer were just full of food for our pastor. Mm. And I stopped for a second because it, it, you know, made me emotional. And I was like, yeah. you know what? A year ago, this may not have happened, right? And I remember our pastor and his wife saying to us that they've never felt so loved in the 10 years they've been at our church than they they have in this in this last six months. And for me, I was just like, that was the aha moment where I was like, when you're in the middle of creating change and creating and changing, trying to change culture, you don't see those wins. Mm. But when you have that moment to reflect back and, you know, the, the small group that I'm part of, um, we just wrapped up last week and one of the girls, she said to me, she's like, I don't know what's changed, but she said for the first time, I feel part of this church community. And I was just thinking about, you know, the people at the beginning of the year that came and were vulnerable with me and said, you know, there's been times I've felt that the church hasn't shown up for me. Mm. And what a hard place for the lead team to take that um, and and use that positively to create change for your church, right? Mm. To recognize like we grew so fast, which is amazing. But in that quick growth, there were areas where we dropped the ball and we just didn't, we weren't able to show up for people in the way that we normally do. And instead of taking that and just brushing it aside, our lead team had the wisdom to say, like, what can we do better? And having that tough conversation and reinventing the the wheel and, you know, feeling that we were starting at the bottom again six months into a new role that I was supposed to come in and create this positive change for our <laughs> church. <laughs> I just, I look back on it now and just see the value in it. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. it makes me like, this is the church I've always attended for my whole life, which makes it even more special for me. But to to end the year and look back and be like, that's my church and I'm so proud of it. Mm -hmm. That's, that's a huge win. You know, I hear of these churches and have experienced them myself of these churches that chew up their pastors or, or you know, burn out their staff and, or, you know, are all about the presentation and the production. And I'm not saying those churches are inherently bad um, because I've been a part of churches and love churches that, you know, value and prioritize production. And, and I think, those elements are important, but what a testimony when a person in their first year 
with that within the first three to six months felt like a failure. And this is not what I signed up for. Six months later can say, I am proud of my church. So um, I'm just really thank you for sharing this journey because I think it can relate to many people who are just feeling unsure or like a failure and just don't know where to begin. And so I'm grateful that you shared your creative ideas that work with your church. Um, And I hope it inspires other people to look at their congregation, their culture, their community and say, okay, God, what do you, what would be valuable? What would be caring? What is needed and necessary for our church? Because it's going to be unique. It's going to be different for everyone. Melissa, thinking back to, you know, if you could send yourself a voicemail or give advice to someone who's listening, who might be, you know, feeling these similar things, what, what would you tell that person who is questioning themselves or maybe at the beginning of, of, of their ministry? I want to encourage, I hope this encourages somebody that's in the middle of those, like that, in the middle of their first six months and they're trying to figure out, like, I don't know what I'm doing. And I I remember I had those moments where I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I actually started to question whether I was in the right role. Mm -hmm. Um, And just staying true to what God has called you to do and staying true to who you are and what's important to you, but watching for those opportunities to encourage other people, to inviting them into community with you and making them feel like they can say that this is my church also and I'm proud of it. Mm, so good. Thank you, Melissa, for sharing and for joining us today. You're very welcome. For those who are looking to strengthen your care ministry, um, I encourage you to go back and listen to episodes of the podcast. Uh, We have guests that provide so much information and episodes that I do, I I try to have a download or a resource for you to be able to use. If you're looking for something that is more intentional or more directive, I encourage you to check out the Care Ministry cohort. It's a mastermind with a step-by-step process that considers all the components of care. And uh, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out, send me an email. I'd love to connect and chat. Well, thank you uh, for listening to today's episode. I hope it was both helpful and hopeful for you and take care.